Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and with me, I've got my co-host, Chris Vines. What's up, guys? Well, we are thrilled that you're joining us again for another conversation about student ministry. And on today's podcast, we have a good friend of ours, Donnie Parrish. He has been an advocate for student ministry for... Uh, a long time. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we get to our conversation, I just want to thank our podcast partners, uh, Central Baptist College of Conway. Central Baptist College is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And it's a great place for you to point your students toward. Give them that web address, cbc.edu, and have them check it out. It is a place where they can learn about all sorts of vocations with a Christ focus. Now, you may also be looking for an opportunity to finish up your education. You may have completed several hours towards your bachelor's degree. They also have a PACE program that is designed for you in mind. And again, you can find out more information at cbc.edu. Well, Chris, before we get into our conversation, what's been going on in your life this week? Man, I'll tell you what. If you guys have been listening to our podcast for a while, you know that I work uh, at at a place, at a church that has a Christian schools of ministry. And uh, my office butts up next to our gym, which means there are all sorts of noises that that come at me on a regular basis. And over the last month, no, I'm going to take that back. Over the last two months, uh, our school has been gearing up for The Little Mermaid. We've got a big fine arts production going on. And so, man, if you you, uh, just randomly hear me start singing some song from the little mermaid you'll know why so that's pretty much what's going on in our world uh little mermaid production is tomorrow night and just to be honest with you it's gonna be great but i'm ready i'm ready for it to be over uh because if i hear under the sea one more time uh i'm i'm actually gonna go under the sea so i don't have to hear anything for the rest of my life so anyway well, Not a whole great. lot going on in Hope, man. Just good good stuff, regular stuff, ministry, really, really loving loving our place. So what about you, Dan? Well, How's everything going in Northwest Arkansas? Well, pretty good here. You know, we've dealt with some weather, but this past weekend, I spent some time in St. Louis with my lovely wife. Uh, she celebrated a milestone birthday, and we're just going to say that I'm still in my 40s, and she's not. So... <laughs> Man. That's okay. She wow. doesn't listen to this. We're good. But um, we had a fantastic time. We went to see Drew and Ellie Holcomb in concert and then went and saw a musical the next day and had some great Bosnian food at a restaurant there in St. Louis. Man, just a whole bunch of a great time just spending away with your spouse. And let me encourage you, if you work with students, you need to set aside some time for you and your spouse. And just make make sure you're doing that on a, on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be a weekly date night, although I know many of you do that, uh, but you want to spend time with your spouse. Well, we want to get into our conversation with Donnie. Donnie has been a part of my life for a long time. 
I remember hearing Donnie speak in Encounter 89 when I first surrendered to youth and music ministry. Uh, but beyond that, my he was my wife's youth pastor back at Temple Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas in the late 80s and um, just been a part of our life for so long. Uh, Donnie, it is a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Well, man, it's great to be here. Appreciate you guys inviting me today. Well, Donnie, you have been in, in ministry for a number of years before the podcast started recording. A number of we years. That's a yeah, good a way to put that. A number of years. <laughs> do, you, do you have a total? You know, I was thinking the other day, I'm closing in on 50 years of ministry. Getting close. I'm, I'm about four years away from 50 years of ministry. Yep. Well, I know many of those years were spent in student ministry, at least the early years, and then you've been an advocate for student ministry for for a really long time. How many years do you think you were in active youth ministry where you were the youth pastor? Well, I did student ministry for over 25 years. In many ways, I feel like I'm still in student ministry. Uh, You know, being in media ministry, uh, we speak to all sorts of demographics, and, uh, and students are one of those demographics. But I I also help with chapel at Central Baptist College. All the students there have my phone number, and uh, I've done a lot of small group work over there. And so, I, in many ways, once a once a student guy, always a student guy. You know, that's the way it is. And, and that is totally it. As as a an older youth pastor myself, I don't have quite as many years of experience as you do yet, Donnie. Uh, but once you're involved with students' lives, the energy that you find there, the the passion for Christ and His Word and the church that you find in young people's lives, it, it's kind of addictive. You don't want to give it up. I love well, those kids. There, there's just so much potential. Yeah. I mean, it's not like any other ministry you do because, you know, you're not only working for the here and now you know, as far as seeing life change. But you understand with working with students that you probably will, you may not see the fruit of that right now. You're working for many years out. So that gives you a lot of, um, I don't know, it always gave me a lot of hope that if I didn't see something going on right now, that the Lord was going to be faithful and years from now that I would see the things that I was trying to pour into people bear fruit. So yeah, hey man, Potential is what it was all about with me with kids. Mm, that's great. Well, Donnie, um, for our listeners, some of our listeners aren't even familiar with LifeWord. You're the executive director of LifeWord Media Ministries. Um, you guys share the gospel around the world. Let, let's just start there. Tell us a little bit about that ministry and what it does. Well, LifeWord is a media ministry, and uh, our job we see is to <clears throat> excuse me introduce people to Jesus Christ and make his name famous to the nations. We broadcast the gospel every day in right now almost 140 different languages to about one-fourth of the world. About two billion people can hear and understand a LifeWord broadcast every day. And uh, we do that in a variety of different ways. The Internet's really big for us, but radio is big for us. We use television. We have digital print. And just any way we can use media to make the name of Jesus famous, we do that. And you can find us at lifeword.org, L-I-F-E-W-O-R-D dot O-R-G. And uh, for people that might be listening around the world, that English is their second language, you could probably go there and find incredible helps uh, to disciple people, to uh, 
let people that that's in your culture know who Jesus is. So uh, yeah, Life Word is a is a force around the world, and I'm blessed to be a part. And I have a great team here that carries out this ministry, and about 250 people around the world that are involved in the ministry of Life Word every day. Life Word has a, a long history. It started as the Harvest Gleaner Hour, um, and you've been with Life Word a couple of different ways. How far back does your history go with Life Word? Oh wow, I left I left full time student ministry, quote unquote, to come to Life Word. So I started part time with Life Word back in the late eighties. Started doing some shows for them and helping them with video. I had a theater background. And so they didn't have anybody that could do any kind of video work or television work. And so Brother George Red came to uh, see me and uh, got me involved with with the first video uh, work that was ever done at LifeWord. So since then, I, I've, I've written for them. Uh, I've done shows for them. I've been on staff, left, went to help with a church in, in uh, the Dallas area, and then about 10 years came back here really as the production team leader and uh, never dreamed that I'd be the executive director at LifeWord. That wasn't on my radar. And, you know, quite honestly, probably shouldn't be on my radar now. There's a lot of other people that can do this job better than I do. I'm not much of a boss. But I do hope that I'm a visionary that can can give people, a, a you know, rails to run on so that we can expand the, the ministry of LifeWord around the world. Well, I am always excited about what's happening at LifeWord and whether it is LifeWord television productions as we see these video spots come through Facebook and in other places or whether it's the, the radio program. I had the privilege of, of singing with you way back in the early 90s it, with the yeah. LifeWord singers yeah. um, when we had a music program there. And yeah. it was a lot of fun during those yeah, years. Those times, you know, that's when long format radio was all the vogue. Now that it's, 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 the, it's all the vogue again. It's just called a podcast. But back in those days, you know, 30-minute radio shows, uh, that was not uncommon. And LifeWord had a 30-minute radio show and a 15-minute radio show. So uh, you'd have music on there and all that. But now, because of the Internet and because people are more uh, adept and more tempted to just, um, you know, surf and to uh, scroll Everything we do now is short format, and most everything we do is targeted toward handheld devices because that's where the world is. And so, you know, it's a different world, and it's changing, and media is changing. But but people are consuming this content that we're – last year, we had almost 11 million minutes of LifeWord video watched around the world. If, if present trends continue uh, over what's happened the last like 60 days, there'll be 10 point, there'll be over 10 million new visitors to lifeword.org this coming year. So, uh, hey, folks are finding us, folks are watching us, and we're being delivered about going out and sharing the gospel in different languages. We hope that within the next five years, that LifeWord will be in over 200 languages of the world. Now, hey, that's just scratching the surface. There's over 6,000 languages spoken in the world. 
So mm. there's a lot of work to do, a lot of people that need to hear who Jesus is. As I've watched you travel in different places around the world, um, you, you brought up something that most of your content is made for handheld devices. Do you find that is true throughout the world, that most oh, people yeah. are, have a handheld device even if they don't have much else? Oh, man. If people are living in mud huts, they've got a smartphone. Wow. That's just reality. It's changed the world. In fact, you know, there are more people in the world right now that are using the Internet through handheld devices than even have access to hear the radio. That's that's pretty amazing to think about. It is. So the Internet is the way the world communicates today. And so, you know, hey, that's not something that's a revolutionary thought to us, but the fact but the fact that handheld devices are the way the world is communicating. If you think about that, that's pretty that's pretty daunting. And when it comes to student ministry, hey, it really it should impact the way we think about the way we communicate with students. Because handheld devices, of course, are where students are too. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. I know you know that. But sometimes we can get in a bubble and think about our own youth group and just start communicating with our own students. But quite honestly, there's a great opportunity for local churches and for student pastors to communicate with everybody in their community and with every student in their community because of these handheld devices. It's, a, it's an open door for us to be able to make the name of Jesus famous. It is, I mean, it is. It is that opportunity that we have that doesn't really cost us anything either. We can get on Instagram or, for a lesser degree, Facebook, you know, other platforms as well. But it's it's there. I've started the same sort of thing with my my student ministry here at Calvary. I have Calvary Fayetteville students, and I offer a weekly one minute message, and it's just okay. boom, it's there, and they can well, they it's, can see it. it's it's crazy, and you know, uh, there's opportunities. I think that that we could use that student student pastors could use uh, digital media to do all sorts of things to talk to unsaved kids every week uh, to invite them into chat rooms to invite them into Zoom meetings. They're at home. They're monkeying around. They're you know they're looking for something to do, and most of what they're looking to do they're they're doing it on, on their phone. And so with with a geo-targeting and geocasting and things like that, uh, you can target your community and you can invite students to be a part of, you know, it's, it's, uh, it can, it's filled with all sorts of uh, possibilities for good and for, and for uh, things to happen that you never dreamed would happen. I mean, because there's lost kids and they'll ask anything and they'll say anything. There's the potential to really be able to speak into people's lives now beyond the four walls of our church. And so what an opportunity. We ought to be we ought to be using that. Well, again, I'm a huge fan of LifeWord, the mission, what LifeWord is seeking to do, and just make Jesus big throughout the world. Um, I do want us to just share a little bit more about you. Some of our listeners aren't a part of the BMA, our Baptist Missionary Association of America, any of our churches. And so they may not have had a chance to meet you or know you. Uh, so the way I like for us to start is just by having you share your testimony. How did you come to know Jesus? Okay, well, I'm a, I'm a Baton Rouge boy. I'm from South Louisiana. Uh, my mom and dad 
were introduced to Jesus by a BMA missionary that came knocking on their door. And he was a church planter. And uh, my parents became a part of a mission church. And that's my earliest recollection, recollection of church, uh, being part of the Good Shepherd Mission in uh, Baker, Louisiana. Eventually, that became Harding Street Baptist Church. My dad was saved. My mom was saved. And my dad was a deacon in that church. And when I was uh, 10 years old, one of our uh, seminary professors came to uh, Baker, Louisiana, right outside of Baton Rouge, and did a revival. And I'd been under conviction for a long time. My pastor, Don Thomas, was a great preacher. And I'd been under conviction for a long time. I remember I got set up is what happened. The uh, the guy that was leading the uh, that was leading the revival, he, he came to our house with our pastor, and just so happened, my mom threw my brother out in the backyard and told him to go away, you know, and not to come home for a little while. And you could do that back in those days. And uh, my pastor and the revival speaker sat down, uh, Doctor Dorman, and they confronted me with the gospel. And so I wasn't saved that day, but uh, two nights later, uh, beside my bed, I asked, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I gave him my life, and uh, that was the beginning of the journey for me with Jesus. Now, look, my mom and dad, once they got saved, they, they got saved, and they sold out to Christ. So in many ways— you know, I'm a product of BMA missions. It's a real, uh, uh, yeah. it's a real, I've thought about that a long time, you know, a lot of times that God brought this missionary to South Louisiana and providentially knocked on my mom and dad's door. And here I am serving a worldwide missions organization uh, here later in my life. So, hey, God's got a plan and he's had a plan in my life. So uh, I went to school in Jacksonville College, which is a BMA school in Jacksonville, Texas. And I uh, went to LSU and gave my life to student ministry. You know, in my really in my late teens uh, is when I first started working with students. I was 19 years old. I've been doing ministry all my life, in all my working life. It's been a, uh, it's been fun. What a blessing. I mean, I, I tell anybody to do ministry if God if God will let you. It's the what a journey, man! What a blast! I've had a great life and a great time, and I, I've heard people that had horror stories in a ministry. You know, I've never had that experience. I mean, I've had some hard times, and I got people who don't like me. <laughs> I like <laughs> them. I love them. I do. But there's people that don't like me, and if you're going to do student ministry, you're going to have opposition. And I've had my, my share of it, but look, God's used all of that to help me be a better, to be a help, be better, better Christian and to help me be a better minister. So I don't know if that's what you were looking for, Dan, but that's kind of my story. It's pretty unremarkable, but I'm amazed every day that God would use me for anything. I'm the le- I'm the least of, I can tell you that. It's just an act of grace that God would, that God would use me in any way at all. But I'm, I'm blessed. I've been blessed be in ministry. How did you end up in that first uh, student ministry role? You know, when I went to when I went to Jacksonville College, there was a we had a very small church and we were, you know, I say very small church of 100 150 people 
When I went to Jacksonville, Texas, there was a larger church there, First Baptist Jacksonville. And I'd never seen student ministry. I mean, student ministry at my church were growing up as volunteers. God bless them. I praise the Lord for them. But student ministry was Sunday school. Student ministry was uh, putting a goal up outside the church, a basket basketball goal. And those men playing basketball with us after church, outside with a light shining down on the parking lot, uh, and then sitting around talking to us about life. That was what student ministry was. But when I got to First Baptist Jacksonville, they had a full-time guy that was focusing on students. And that was, I was enamored with that. I would sneak over there. And and I'd I'd never seen anything like that before. And then I began to realize that that God had given me a gift to communicate with people. I honestly, I thought I would be a coach. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to coach football. That's that's what I started off in college as. Uh, you know, as an education guy, I wanted to wanted to coach football. And I loved the sport. But I realized that for some reason, people would listen to me when I talked, and <laughs> and I enjoyed it too. The more that I realized that other students would hear what I had to say the more I was drawn towards student ministry. Mm. Look, look, I'm going to be very honest with you. I can tell you that I've heard people talk about that they had this call to the ministry that it was a, something that they, I don't know, kind of like a uh, experience of Paul out on the road to Damascus, you know. I, that didn't happen to me. I, I don't have an experience that I can share with you like that. It was just a because I didn't want to do this. <laughs> I didn't want to. I, I'd never known anybody that had, that had done uh, any kind of voc- vocational ministry other than a preacher, a pastor. And so I, I wanted to have a job and make a living and make some money and to give my life to serving others full time. I, I really, I didn't desire it. it. It was something that over a a period of time that God molded me and he convicted me and he led me and he drew me and I gave, and, and I just kind of began to do it. I came back to my hometown and I just began to work with students in my church. And then the next thing I knew, my church said, this is what you were made for and we want to pay you to do it. <laughs> and I said, look, if you want to, I like that even better. If you're going to pay me to do it. So Hey, very unremarkable, very un, unassuming. God just kind of led me along the way. And it may have been because I was hard-headed and stubborn, and God had to do it that way in my life, you know. Maybe that's why I didn't have this this flash from, of lightning from heaven, that, and, I, and overnight I gave my, my life to serve in ministry. I don't know. But that's the way God did it, and I know that he called me. And uh, he did it kind of in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, you got a question? Yeah. Hey, Donnie, you know, I love hearing, I love hearing you talk. And as we've already said, you know, you've been in the, you've been in the trenches of student ministry for, you know, a while. And I'm just curious because, you know, I've been, I've been doing student ministry now for not, not too long, less than 10 years. Right. And, and I'm coming, I, you know, when I started doing student ministry, working in the church, it's a different landscape than what it has been in the past. And so I'm just curious to, to hear your perspective on what are some of the, uh, some of the 
the big changes that you've seen in student ministry that are encouraging to you? And then maybe uh, a follow-up to that is just what are some trends that maybe you see across the the landscape of our church ministry and student ministry that um, maybe cause you a little concern? Well, let me, let me tell you about some things that I don't think have changed. I don't think, here's some things that I think are a constant. And I think these can be encouraging. Number one, if you're going to be a good student pastor, I think you have to be a communicator. I think you have to be a communicator. I don't, I don't think that you can impact the lives of students unless you are a communicator. Now, I'm not talking about being a, you know, now I'm going to date myself. I'm not talking about being a, you know, a Dawson McAllister. I'm not talking about being a, I'm not talking about being a Billy Graham. You don't have to be that kind of guy, but you do have to be able to communicate with people. And, and I think it's a heart thing. So I think you have to be a communicator. Number Number two, I think you have to be a relationship builder. I don't think that has changed. I think that students will follow people that they know love them and will build, take the time to build a relationship with them. I can remember when I was at Temple in, in Little Rock uh, as student pastor, you know, every Wednesday night we would have this big student ministry event and there would be a couple of hundred kids there. But after it was over, it all boiled down to kids sitting around talking to parents. It all boiled down to kids sitting outside my office waiting their turn to come in and just have a conversation with me. And sometimes it would last till midnight. Even though you might speak to the group, uh, that one-on-one and build a relationship with students, I think that that is, uh, that, I don't think that that's changed. And, and number three I think that parental involvement and ministering to parents and realizing that you're not called to be their parent. You're called to be their student pastor that is partnering with their parents to help make disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't think that's changed. I think that that is, um, you know, that was one of the things for some reason, I don't know why. When I first started, Chris, there wasn't many of us. There wasn't a lot of guys doing student ministry. I mean, very few churches have a student pastor. And so there weren't a lot of models out there. There wasn't a lot of people you could watch and see, oh, that's how they're doing it. That's how it's that's that's how success is happening. But for some reason, God impressed on my heart that I had to get parents involved in what was going on here. And I think that's one reason that God blessed the ministries I was involved in. Wasn't because of me, it's because I had parents that bought into what we were doing. And I was able to minister to them and let them minister to their students. So those are some things that I don't think have changed. I think those are fundamentals. Uh, One more thing that I don't think has changed is understanding that student ministry is not the church. Student ministry is to help students get involved in the life of the church. And uh, I don't think that's changed. When you segregate students to the point where, uh, now look, hey, there are some kids that aren't going to come to church on Sunday. They're not. Their parents aren't going to make them. In fact, they probably don't want them to. And you're not going to you're not going to get them all to come on Sunday. But the fact of the matter is, the goal is for students to be a part of the life of the church and not to be a church on their own. And so 
those those things I don't think have changed. I think that those are foundational things that you know it's hard to keep your your focus on on stuff. But if you can make those things a focus of how you do student ministry, I think you will. I think you'll be successful. I think you'll be uh, able to impact the lives of kids. Things that have changed that, you know, I'm glad I don't have to deal with today. And I'm, <laughs> I pray for you guys. There is open hostility to ministry today that there wasn't when I was, when I was young, when I was doing student ministry. There's people that hate the church. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that, uh, I mean, Jesus told us that that would happen. I mean, he, hey, he, he told us they're gonna they're, they hate me and they're gonna hate you. That's just reality. But because people have suffered uh, abuse, not only in their family lives, but sometimes even within the church, as they get older, there's a resentment, there's a hostility, and it spills over all over the place. And, and because of social media. And because people have a forum now, uh, folks are very open about their hostility toward the local church. And we used to not have, I used to not have that. At least there was a respect for the local church back in the day. That's hard now. And uh, so that's something that I that I think is very difficult to, to navigate. It's going to be uh, – I, I can't – I really can't tell you the best way to handle that because I don't think I know. I just know that it's reality because I see it every day online and I see it at life work because people talk back to us, you know, on social media. So I also think that uh, students today have been exposed to a lot more of the world than students were when I was young, when I was doing student ministry, you know, because of the internet, because of things like that, they, you know, even pornography and, and things like that, you know, you had to get a magazine, back in the day, you had to hide that if you were going to be involved in any kind of pornography. Nowadays, kids have a phone when they're young and, uh, and moms and dads are, are they're too, uh, they're too trusting. I mean, sin, our sin nature causes us to, to gravitate toward things and the world is targeting kids. So I think that, that students are a lot more, are a lot more. Um, they've they've just they've just seen a lot more by the time uh, you get to work with them, and they they've been exposed to a lot more, and they've had a lot more impact on their lives, and that's difficult because that means you have to wade through a whole lot of stuff. I, you know, I don't have any empirical data to back this up, and so I need to be careful. But my impression is, is that kids are, are growing up a lot faster. I'm not saying they're more mature. They're not more mature emotionally. I don't think they are. But I think they are a lot more exposed. I don't know if that's a good way to say it. They're a lot more knowledgeable about things now than they, they were uh, when I got a hold of them. And we, but nowadays, I think there's a lot that student pastors have to wade through that I didn't have to wade through. I don't know if that answers your question, Chris. Yeah. You know, hey, Donnie, that's, 
Yeah, you said, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, you did answer the question. Uh, absolutely. You know, just, uh, yeah, I, I love, I love hearing you speak on this because you like, again, you are, you are someone who, who I think has a, has a good understanding of, of the culture that we're in, but you're someone who wants to engage the culture with the, the message of the gospel. And, and you've always, uh, since I've known you and, and just been around, around you and the different ministries that you've been a part of, uh, you've never been afraid to to share the um, exclusive message of of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a variety of methods. Um, you understand the importance of making Jesus the, the name of Jesus famous, and that the way that we do that can change depending on what is going on around us. And uh, the ministry of LifeWord is is evidence of that. Um, I love hearing how how many people are are listening and watching. I mean, what we're talking about is the gospel here, you know, and, and you, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking, and this is not at all a, a knock on the, the season of life you're in, but I mean, you've, you've ministered, you've ministered to a lot of generations. Well, I mean, as far you know, that, that's got just being old. I know, I know, I know. Hey, I'm not, know that's what? what I'm saying. I'm not calling well, you old. No, I'm, I'm calling old. myself old, but the thing about it is, you know, uh, I thought about that the other day. So my, today's my wife's birthday and, uh, she doesn't want anybody. She said, I don't want to party. I don't want anybody to say anything to me. I said, Nathan, we hadn't died. That's something to celebrate. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people our age are dead. So we ought to celebrate that. Let's don't have that. And so, hey, look, here's the deal. The message, you know, we say this all the time. The message doesn't change, you know. The message, the message is the message, and it's the message. It's yeah. It's what life is, what makes life worth living It's mm-hmm. it's why I have a purpose every day is what makes me get up in the morning. Uh, Jesus is and his resurrection uh, from the dead is centered to who to makes to what makes life worth living. But the fact of the matter is the culture causes us to be able to present to 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 be creative in how we present the gospel. It's not that the gospel is not sufficient. I hear people say that all the time. You know, you don't, you're not depending on the sufficiency of the, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that if we don't understand the culture, if we don't understand that there are people that have been impacted by abuse and, and by pornography and by all these different things in their lives, if we don't understand that, and if we don't understand especially in student ministry, if we don't understand the things that are impacting the hearts and the souls of the people that we're dealing with and the students that we're dealing with and use the scripture to say, okay, here's the questions you're asking. Here's what the Bible has to say about it. Here's why the Bible is relevant in in your life. Here's why what makes the Bible relevant in your life. I think that that is... Uh, I think that's important. I think that that's, uh, hey, listen, I, I mean, I heard somebody say this, and I've never forgotten it when I was young, I, when I was young in the ministry. And I don't even know who it was. But he but he said, don't don't answer questions that nobody's asking. I think we're guilty of that. Uh, when people are suffering and struggling, and we're trying to answer questions that they're, they're not asking. Mm-hmm. I think we need to answer questions that the culture is asking. And uh, when we do that, we, we allow the Holy Spirit 
to open the door so that we can we can walk into their lives and be a part of their lives. And so, hey, yeah, I'm, it's a blessing to to not have died yet, you know. Um, so you're right, Chris. It's it has been good. I I do student. I do student. I still speak to students. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I'm still invited to speak to students. I enjoy that and. And being over at Central Baptist College, I enjoy uh, speaking to the lives of students there. But then I get to do senior adult conferences. Too. So that's fun. I like senior adults. I mean, they're fun. That's it. But think about senior adults. When they're done, they just get them leave. They don't really care what you think. or <laughs> they're done. Why do you still refer to them as they? That's my people. <laughs> hey, funny story. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was doing a senior adult conference, and this was before COVID. And we had this Southern Gospel group in to sing. And so these two couples, they walked out. This one guy, he's gray hair, just like mine. He had it in a ponytail, you know, and he got a beard. He comes walking out, and he says, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, do you always have Southern Gospel groups at, the, at this thing? I said, hey, man, I thought you guys liked Southern Gospel. He said, dude. I went to Woodstock. <laughs> well, hey, that yeah. put things in a different perspective for me, you know? Yeah. There you go. There you have it. There you go. Next year, senior adult, the new Woodstock. Yeah, bro. Here you go. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here. Hey, man, I, I'll say this, and, it, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up. But, uh, one, I love you. Uh, you know that. But I just – I'm really – I'm really thankful for you, Donnie. Um, and like you've already said, we, we can't make everybody happy. Uh, we never will. And there's going to be all kinds of different opinions out there. But when you talk about the sufficiency of the gospel, I know you to be a man who, who loves the Lord and who depends completely on him and, and knows that there's no power in us, uh, but all the power belongs to him and in, in, in his word. And so I know you believe that. And I, do I would just that. say to somebody who would, who would disagree with that, one thing I would say is that the the man who knocked on your door whenever you're you were living in South Louisiana uh, and your parents were far from the Lord, that knock on the door alone at one point was seen as taboo or uh, not even taboo, but just not not something that would be appropriate uh, to do to just out of the blue, just knock on somebody's door and then share the gospel with them. You know, that's that's a form of creativity. Uh, I would say, in sharing the I message agree. of the gospel. And uh, and we need to get better at, uh, I know I need to get better at thinking in those ways, um, not discounting the sufficiency of God's word and the power of the gospel, but to know that we live in a world and we've been living in a world where the, the enemy, the devil, um, has schemes, according to scripture, meaning he has plans. And if that's true... Um, we better have plans. We better uh, have schemes. Hey, you're right, Chris. And listen, dude, that's the God's word is central to everything we do. And but God has created man to be creative. God is creative. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, look at the world around you. Look at people. Look at the students you deal with. They're all they're all just different in so many ways. And we have a creative God, and we are drawn as people to creativity. That's why we put people on pedestals. That's why we put artists on pedestals. That's why we, you know, uh, great athletes on pedestals, because that that creativity is something we're drawn toward. 
It is something we long for, something we would aspire to be. And so if God has given this, given us these gifts of creativity, Psalm 150 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you read that scripture, if you read that, that chapter, praise him with symbol, praise him on the loud sounding. That's a pretty noisy chapter and it is filled with creativity. The Bible is a creative, God is a, it's a masterpiece of creativity. The way Jesus taught was just masterful. The way he painted a picture in in every way that he spoke, he was a creative genius. I would say to you that the very, the very plan of salvation, if you think about that, who could have dreamed up? The plan, the plan of salvation that God, it is a creative masterpiece. And I would say to everybody listening, if you're in the ministry, yes, yes, of course, the Bible is central to all that we do. But the culture that we live in, uh, just like the Apostle Paul, when he spoke to people, it calls for us to contextualize the gospel and to uh, be creative in the way we present it so it is relatable and understandable. And with students, that is very, I think, very important. And um, so anyway, hey, man, I know people disagree with me, and that's good. That's fine. Hey, that's why God made, <laughs> he was created to make vanilla and chocolate. I mean, we all, but but I don't think that is a, I don't think that's a point of um, theological um, separation there. I just don't. So, because I'm okay, I'm okay. I go. To, I'm in a different church every Sunday, speaking to people about life work, and I see churches that are being creative in their culture, speaking to their culture where they live every Sunday. They do it in different ways, and I don't. It's not wrong. It's not wrong the way they're doing it. It's uh, they are contextualizing the gospel many times in what, and they don't even realize that's what they're doing. It just happens naturally. So, mm-hmm. hey, I'll get off of that. I know that's one of the reasons. Hey, I'm a lightning rod. I have been a lightning rod. I know in, for years about certain things, but that's something that I don't bend on. And I live in a world of creative people here uh, at LifeWord. We have to be in media. And we have to be able to speak to people in different ways. I will say this too, Chris. You know, you'll find in missions, and I've heard Dr. John David Smith say this, that student pastors always make the best missionaries. They do. And you know why? Because they are used to contextualizing the gospel, to invade the culture of where these kids live. And so when they when they go to be a missionary, hey, they think that way. That's the way they think. And so they make the best missionaries. So I don't know. I love student guys. I always have and guess I always will. But all right, I'll quit beating that down. I think you get the point. <laughs> well, Donnie, we, we are thankful for you. And one of the big pieces that I hear from you today is just to lean in the creative aspect of our ministry and to love on students, give them the gospel, and to find a way for them to see Jesus. And so, again, just so thankful for you, for your ministry of LifeWord. If somebody wants to find out more about LifeWord and maybe even talk to you about visiting their church to, to, 
to share about that ministry, what's the best way for them to do that? Okay, lifeword.org, of course, is where you'll find out about LifeWord. It'll give you a great picture of our ministry. It's kind of the hub of who we are. Uh, My email address is Donnie, D-O-N-N-Y, at LifeWord.org. And my cell phone number is 972-571-0357. And everybody in the world has it. I'm not afraid to give it out. So uh, if you want to call me or holler at me or, you know, anything, any any kind of way you want to connect with me, just uh, I'm on Facebook Messenger, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Rumble, Tumble, whatever you want to be on. I'm on all those I'm on all the uh, media, social media. Uh, so just hit me up and love to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for letting me be on. It's an honor. I love student pastors. I believe in student ministry. I think it is, I think it's vital to our churches. I think it's vital to the local church. And I think it is a great calling of God. I think it's, I think it is a, it's a time in people's lives where they're open to give their life to Jesus Christ. And so it's a great window of opportunity. And so thank you guys for all you do and what you do for the kingdom. Uh, any way I can help you, man, I'm in your corner for what that's worth. That may not be a good thing, but if but if I can help you in any way, you let me know. Well, Donnie, before Thanks, I let man. you go, I want to publicly say thank you. I've, I believe I've done this before, but boy, my my life has been greatly impacted by you. Yeah, I love you, dude. Um, my wife you. was in your youth group, yeah. and she grew up in a home where her mom was married and divorced several times. Her dad lived in California, and uh, she needed somebody that just said, "Hey, I love you." And she's always had that in, in, in you. And yeah, I love Tiffa. She's precious. The the great thing for me is now my daughter is one of those students that you interact with over at CBC. My gosh, Cat is is Temple made over. She is. I love that. <laughs> I love that child. She's precious. She she's a lot. I love her, but she is a lot. So, well, Donnie, again, thank you so much, and listeners, thank you for being a part of our conversation today as we've talked about student ministry and life word with Donnie Parrish. Again, reach out to him. He's given you his email and cell phone number. And so if you want to find out more about those things, be sure and reach out. We'll just keep serving. We'll keep loving on students. We'll do all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.